but I'm the oldest of six kids and my mom is one of 14. And so I come from um, a very, very, very large family. Uh, and we're definitely of the perspective that it takes a village. And so people come to my home and they're like, how actually, how do you not have children? Your home is so child friendly. And I'm like, well, I have a huge family and there are always children here. And I always have someone's child with me for an extended period of time. And so people just like, when they actually come to my house, they, they really can't believe I don't have kids. So. Well, it sounds like you already raised five. <laughs> you know, that's like a Chris Rock joke. He says in large families that the eldest two raise all the others. And I have to say, you know, my parents are awesome, but uh, my sister and I definitely took the lead on the, on the younger four. So like, at least in our minds, you know, my parents were obviously the bosses of everything, but in our minds, we felt the responsibility. So um, I tell you what, uh, I know we've got limited time and this is the last thing you do before bed. Should we call that the start of the show? Okay. Sounds Hi good. there, esteemed audience. Welcome to an episode of, of Middle Grade Ninja. My guest is Tina Wells, uh, author of the newly released um, Honest June, uh, which just went wide. I know it's been exclusive with Target for three months already, and we're going to talk a, a bit about that as well. Um, but so you're the oldest uh, of six kids. Does that responsibility for your younger siblings, do you think that has something to do with your going on to found your first company, Buzz Marketing, at age 16? Um, I, I don't know. Yes and no. My mom often says that I'm exactly the same person today that I was at three years old. So I don't know for better or worse what that means, but uh, in her mind, she says I'm exactly who I've always been. So I think it, I think being the oldest of six made me um, use all the resources I had available to do what I needed to do at that age. And I wanted to be a fashion writer and I love products. And my first job was as a product reviewer, which led to marketing, which led to the agency. And so um, it definitely played a part, I think. At what point does buzz marketing go from being that fun thing you do to, oh, this is the thing? I, I got my degree in journalism and then post-journalism, post I realized I was getting into business and didn't understand the fundamentals of business. And so I ended up going to Wharton and doing a program they had way back in the day called Wharton Programs for Working Professionals. And then after I was in the program, I met a professor and ended up um, working for him and teaching there. And, and then I took over as academic director of a program called Leadership in the Business World for about six years. And so um, I think that I often say the first 20 years of my career were like gut instinct and I just rolled with it. And it's only in the last few years that I think I've become really, really intentional around what I want to do and how I want to show up. But I always thought I was a kid who landed something really interesting and unique. And I kind of just went with it. You know, I was very, what I was doing, there wasn't a name for it. I was doing influencer marketing before we all talked about influencer marketing as we do now. And, you know, I was, you know, researching millennials before we all talked about millennials the way we do now. And so I, I was fortunate to be on the cusp, but also that meant that people didn't always understand what I was doing at the time, you know? Well, that's the problem with being a trailblazer, right? You have to show them all. <laughs> now, of course, everybody is uh, following in your wake and saying, of course, this, this makes a hundred, why wouldn't you do this? <laughs> yeah, that's the story. I do think that that's a through line in my career, doing things that haven't been done before and, and dealing with the like, we don't get it and then we do it and then, you know, other people come and execute it much better maybe, but um, I like it. You know, I think sometimes I just, I see a way that something can be done and, and I've been fortunate enough to 
have partners that go along with me. And I think, you know, we'll talk later more about Target, but I'm very fortunate to have partners who see the vision and, and we try new things. And I know you were a big reader as a child, right? Oh, yeah. I, um, my dad used to take all six of us to the library um, once a week over the summer, and I would get out as many books as I could for that week. And so on a good week, I was reading a book a day. And But I was reading like Fear Street. Do you remember Fear Street? Uh, I loved Fear Street. Um, I Sweet Valley High, Sweet Valley Twins, whatever was in that genre, it would just have to be able to like power through a book a day. A, a book a day. Um, and I know you read about what's still a book a week, maybe a little bit more sometimes now. Yes, I do. Um, I just finished Single Black Female yesterday. And today I started Lucky, which is Reese Witherspoon's like uh, book of the month. And so, um, and also thank goodness for Audible and, and uh, South Jersey living. That <laughs> so means I'm, I'm kind of always in need of content and uh, I, there's always a book I'm reading. And, and sometimes I'm listening to a book and then reading, you know, a totally separate book as well. That's going to be a, a big theme of our conversation, because just as I looked at your list of accomplishments, it exhausted me. How? Where, where's the time in the in the day? So I want to know how you manage your time and how you're able to work and all the things you do. And I also know um, that you're very big on on a, on a work life balance and, and achieving that. And I want to know how you're how you're pulling that off while accomplishing still as much as as, as you want to do. Um, so maybe the best place to start is let's start with Honest June and talk about the, the new book, and then we'll go into your writing process and, and how that came to be. But my promise to you and to everyone who would ever come on the show is I will never make you sit through me summarizing your book. How painful. Uh, <laughs> so what does esteemed audience need to know about Honest June? Um, I always have June very close to me. Beautiful book. Um, so Honest June is about a girl, a tween, a middle schooler who can't tell a lie. She is blessed with the gift uh, to always tell the truth by a mystery fairy godmother. And now she has to figure out how she can survive middle school without her little white lies or kind of lies of omission that she was used to telling to help her keep everybody in her life happy. Um, and so it's really a theme of how do I stay true to myself? How do I tell the truth knowing that my truth might hurt other people? You know, and I think um, when I think about tweens today, I think about all the pressure, you know, June's under a lot of pressure from her, her parents who are very successful to go to a certain school and do a certain thing. And so it's about how you also come into your own um, while also trying to make your parents happy. So I think... Uh, you know, it's very, it got a lot of magic in it, which is new for me. It just kind of experimenting with that. But uh, I've gotten some really good early reviews from my young readers, which I love. Um, and it's just meant to be a lot of fun. Well, a question I, I'm fond of asking is who is the ideal reader for this story? And I've always got, I always imagine that you've got some vague notion of who's in mind. When I say you, I mean other authors, you who have been finding um, exact people to market to for years and years. I imagine you know exactly who your reader is for this story. Who, who is it? How do you, how do you identify them? Absolutely. So what I actually, so the, the answer is tweens, right, in general, but let me then dig down to like, why June? Why this moment? I started thinking about just the anxiety that tweens are under, the pressure that they're under. Um, I think it's 
especially post pandemic more than ever, right? We, we see how anxious life is making tweens. And then we also, I look for common themes and like, is this something that's bubbling up for the kids that are closest to me? Do I see patterns in society showing that it's affecting, you know, others who aren't in just my, my group of friends, right? I think sometimes we make a mistake of thinking like, well, this is happening to my friends, so it must be happening to everyone else without going a little bit wider. So I spent a lot of time just researching, is, is this an issue? Like, do kids feel this pressure? We, we start to, um, through the series, explore June having panic attacks and really, really feeling anxious and feeling that pressure. And so um, that's really what I wanted to explore as almost a sub-theme is, what is the anxiety or pressure of our culture? And this, for me, I started seeing this years ago with like the schedule that tweens keep. You know, I, I always had a sport after school, but I didn't feel like I had a, a schedule in a way, you know, that it felt that I felt very scheduled. And so um, I do spend a lot of time when I'm working on a series, really observing what's happening in culture. Um, you know, my readers always have parents attached to them. I think about how will these themes resonate for those parents? You know, is there a teachable lesson here? Um, and I, what I will say about Honest June is I think it's probably the work I've done that will most appeal to tween boys as well. You know, I know that tween boys liked Mackenzie Bloom, my first series. I know I have some tween boy readers um, for the Z files, but I think June um, will probably have kind of the biggest boy audience as well. Uh, what do you think that will attract them to Honest June that maybe wouldn't attract them to the Z Files? I think the Z Files, you find a lot of like girl, like girl drama and like living with friends and Z is in her head a lot. June as well. I would say June even more, but I think the little bit of magic, I think G June's, you know, one of her best friends uh, is Lee who lives next door. And she's also a little bit younger. So she's just entering middle school. So I think some of the themes that come out, um, with Z that it's more fashion focused or more living away at boarding school. Here you have someone who is like integrated in her family, you know, with her parents and um, just starting middle school and it being a little bit more about the collective group of friends. And then both series focus on that. I just think sometimes Z skews a little bit more towards a female reader. Uh, and then, um... In this book, without uh, giving too much away, we're, we're dealing, obviously, with honesty right there from the title. Mm -hmm. um, and June is a person who, who likes to make people happy. Uh, and she's not she's fine with doing that, even if, if that means not telling people the whole truth, but in a good way. And as I read that, I thought, well, that doesn't sound uh, in, in, entirely wrong. Um, what would you say is the right amount, uh, right balance of, of, of being honest uh, and not telling people the whole truth or even maybe uh, little innocent lies meant to be just the most helpful, um, uh, kindest lies uh, imaginable, or is honesty always the best policy? Where where, where do you fall? Uh, I think it's with June, I see that she tells the truth to her own detriment, right? Where there are moments where if she told her mom, hey, I don't really like how you're dressing me. That's not really my style, you know, maybe her mom would come to understand and we, without giving too much away, when June does start to tell the truth, people are way more accepting of her and accepting of her truth than she thinks they will be. So much of what happens in June's life is really in her head. And, you know, we go through these long internal conversations of how she plays things out. Like, 
if I don't get this grade on this homework assignment, I'm never going to college and I will end up in this place in my life. Like we kind of play that all the way out. Um, and so I think for, for June, she feels for some reason that telling, that if she were to tell the truth, it would cost her something. And, you know, I, I hate that she does that to her detriment, you know, and also because she's not used to it, when she does, sometimes it just comes out in not the right way, or she doesn't know how to deliver it, right? She's still working on how, how she works through what she's really feeling. And so um, I say, for me, it's like honesty is the best policy, but that's, you know, as you groan and realize how I think I've had to learn how to deliver certain things, you know, and I think for June, she's not, she's just like, well, I think what I have to say is like a little too hurtful. So I just shouldn't say it versus thinking through what's the best way to communicate this. Gotcha. So be honest, but not brutally. So am I hearing that right? I think that be honest. And, and I would say, don't withhold the truth to your own detriment. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, and then I know that um, there's already, um, you've got two sequels coming, but you've already announced that Honest June, the show must go on, is going to be out, what, August 30th, uh, 2022, exclusive through Target again. Is that right? Uh, it will have an exclusive window through Target again, yes. Um, so three books uh, are, are planned at the moment. Uh, do you have plans to take it beyond that, or is it going to be a trilogy and then you're on to something else? We, you know, we've been discussing it and I, I always say like, I just finished the, um, my outline for the third book. And so, um, I think that we'll see how it goes, but there's definitely an opportunity to go beyond three. And when I started, I wasn't sure, but I, you know, I, as it happens, I sit with characters and I really develop a love for those characters and where the story can go. And, you know, with Z, like I've been writing, I think I'm on my was five in the original. I'm on my 10th story now for Z 11th because I've already done book six, like the outline for book six. And so I'm on my 11th story for, for Z as, she, as she's evolving. And so um, I think it's where the, where the character can go and ultimately what the readers are looking for. You know, so the readers will dictate if there's a book four for sure. So how do you know what the readers are looking for? You have conversations with them, oh, yeah. you read reviews. I do. You know, I remember when I first, when I did my first book ever, um, which was Mackenzie Blue and Mackenzie has had Gmail, which I had access to. And so getting that insight from readers, you know, I, at that point I'd had a marketing agency. I was a researcher for a long time. I'd never had such honest feedback as I had from readers writing to a character and talking to that character about their life and, and what, was really going on. And now, you know, through Instagram and social media, um, you know, my readers write to me directly. They send me photos of them reading the book. They send me comments about how they feel about the book. Um, I have some readers who have their own book clubs, you know, they're tween girls who have their own book clubs. And, you know, I have readers who create reels about the books. And so I think just for me, 
having that one-on-one connection where they're telling me what they think or, or how this is important for them and their life is so special, you know, and I'm so grateful to social for doing that because when I first started writing, there weren't those direct, you know, safe ways of having those conversations all the time with readers. You know, when I used to go and do signings or go to schools, I would get that, but just, you know, the other day someone sent me a reel they had done or a mom who says, this is what my daughter is reading right now. And I see, you know, honest June, you know, on the table, she's, you know, finishing up her homework and there's Honest June. You know, I love seeing those moments, but readers do tell me what they like about the characters. And I'm always happy when it's, you know, something or a point I really worked really hard to bring home, you know, some of these ideas and having a reader say, this is what really resonated with me, lets me know I'm, I'm kind of at least on the right path. So for all of your um, readers and fans who are watching or listening, um, if they were to reach out to you with an idea for what they'd like to see happen to their favorite characters, is that something that you take into consideration or no? I always want to hear what my readers think. And it depends on where I'm at in the series. Like there's some, um, some really interesting things coming to the Z files in the next two books. So I can't wait to hear what the readers think about that. Uh, you know, my current book in that series, A Very Malibu Vacay, Z's gone back to California. So now we have like people from the first cast with people from the second. And so just hearing that feedback is great. Um, but I always want to hear what, what my readers think. I think, first of all, I'm a researcher at heart, right? That, that's really how I grew up. That, that was my first love, my first career. So I always want to know what my customer, my reader is thinking. That's just how I'm programmed. But even more so, uh, you know, DM me, send me a message. I want to know what you're thinking. You know, if, if it's engaging enough and you're engaging with it, I want to know. Well, you heard it here. Uh, <laughs> the audience, uh, reach out to Tina Wells and let her know uh, your thoughts. Or just say hi and say, we love your book. And then make sure you also leave a review on, on uh, whatever platform of your choice. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit nitty gritty then. Um, that's where this show lives is in, in the weeds. Um, so when you're embarking on a new series or you've got an idea for something, what do you start with? How far in advance do you plan? Do you take it for granted that Honest June will have two more books or do you wait until you get confirmation and then start planning or you just take it one book at a time? How do you get going? Yeah, so I normally I think um, start with what the big idea is going to be. What's what's the big concept that I'm trying to bring to life? And then I take sometimes up to a year just to work through those ideas. You know, what is culture, you know, what's happening in culture? Just what's happening? Um, is this a trend? Is it going to be over by the time we get a book out? Because you know how long sometimes it takes to get books out. Um, will this still be happening? And, and one of the things I love about writing for tweens, which is why I, I always say, I don't know if I'll write for any other demo, but middle grade, is that there are some common themes that I think no matter your age, if you are a middle grade reader, it's a life stage that you're gonna go through, right? And so there is what happens when you get to middle school. There is what happens when you have your first crush, right? Like all of these things are typical middle grade behavior. So I know that I will build that in as building blocks. And then I think one of the things I'm known for is really trying to, you know, speak to at-risk readers and having moments that they respond to that gets them hooked on the book, right? And so whether it's the art style or the text messages in the book or, or you know, with Z, it's always her secret diary entries. It's like, what's the hook? Um, 
And then I dive into who the cast is and what makes the cast unique. You know, with June, it's the first time an honest June that I've gone with an all black cast. And that was really important to me to really dive in to this diverse story. And I, I really believe that all readers benefit from diverse stories. And I think that June has, you know, to, to hear that June is like Ella Enchanted meets Dork Diaries. I, I was so grateful. And so, you know, I couldn't believe that comparison, but it really brings home the idea that this is a book that's really for all young readers who enjoy those type of books. And so, um, that's why it takes me about a year to really bring this all together. And then I go into Pinterest boards. I go into planning every detail of what each of the characters look like, how they approach things, what they would do in certain situations. I map all of that out. I map out where they live. I, you know, with June, I created this fictitious town, Featherston Creek and what happens in there. And, and then I dive into, now that I have the characters and the places and the things that are happening, how many books do I think we need to make this work? And with June, you know, um, Penguin was so gracious to, to agree to the first three, and then we'll see what happens. Um, with Z, we got picked up for four, then got an order earlier this year for two more. And so we know that there will be six. And I think we go from there. And then, you know, now I'm at the place of thinking, I have a new series coming next year. Um, called The Stitch Click. And, and the idea is, I, I came up with this idea years ago about five girls who are really different from very different backgrounds who meet in a fashion class. And it's about this budding friendship uh, from really five very, very different girls. And um, that took a lot of setup, you know? And so my process is long. There's some, you know, Honest Dream was a concept I first wrote around the time I worked on Z back in 2007, you know? And so sometimes it takes a long time, but then when I get into it, it's probably about a year. Um, and then working through, you know, the first the first book. So when you're in, uh, uh, I have so many questions on the, on the back of that, but we, I'll contain myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, uh, if you uh, have an idea, you know, five years ago for the, for the Stitch Club, um, and you're very you're 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 out you're outlining you're trying to figure out what's gonna uh, where the market's gonna go how are you certain that that's still going to be relevant when it finally does come out? Um, I assume at first you're starting with just what is the story that I want to tell? How do I express myself as an artist? What kind of specific things do you do without giving away too much of uh, too many of your trade secrets? What kind of specific things do you go to? Yes, not only will I love telling this story, but it will be relevant. I can confirm beyond just my my own thoughts on on what I think will happen and know that yes, with some degree of certainty, as, as certain as you can be, that this will be a thing. Yeah, I think that really. Um... I think you point to me leaning into my my background of 20 plus years in marketing, right? And I think I was so used to the sell-through of ideas that weren't my own, right? So whether I'm selling you a laptop or the new TV show, um, it was always what's the message that's going to make sense for the times that we're in. And that's just probably the secret sauce of a lot of what I do is that I'm, I'm always thinking about that. I, I don't approach the process like... I'm the best writer ever and I have the best idea ever. You know, it's all just, I'm doing a read of what's going to work. And I, you know, even with material or ideas, like the big idea that was maybe 10 plus years old, you know this, it's like when you start to bring it to fruition, you then start to say, well, what's going to make this really resonate in the times we're living in? And so 
Um, there are very, I do believe there are universal themes. Like I said earlier, that tweens that go with the life stage of what tween really means. And I was studying tween, you know, from day one, you know, I had a massive, uh, CPG or consumer packaged good client that wanted me to start to explain the tween consumer. And so that was really my area of expertise, understanding millennials and then understanding Gen Z. And so this is the world I live in. I'm constantly doing that. Um, but, but I still believe that there are themes that whether I was a tween, you know, I was a tween 30 years ago. I can't even believe I can say that now. <laughs> I was a tween 30 years ago. You know, there are things I went through when I read Ramona and thank goodness for, you know, those girls who got me through my tween and teen years. And, and I think that those themes still resonate to, to girls today. I'm watching my niece go through this life stage and I'm like, wow, some things never change. It's just how we deliver them and what we talk about. That's what's changing. I love my questions. Can you take 20 years of incredible experience and just distill that down to this one secret? And, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, um, and then, um, well, let's, uh, let's go back just a little bit. So you're, I mean, you're already tremendously successful. You, you've, you've got your, you've got your company going, you, you could go on and do marketing forever. What was it that, that pivoted you and said, Hey, you know what? I think I want to start writing for, for tweens. And eventually it sounds like you've come back around to fashion as well, but what, what was that impetus? I loved middle grade. I loved when I did Mackenzie blue, I, you know, it was the, really when my agency was really taking off and I had to be so focused on that work. And when I sold um, the audio rights a couple of years ago to audible, it was, I was, I felt like I was given a second chance to get into that. And I think as a marketer, content started to become more and more important to the work I was doing, right? So it went to branded content and that branded content and entertainment was something I was doing and, and I was quite successful at it. You know, I, I worked with Oprah Winfrey Network on the Super Soul 100. You know, we created these massive social moments and I realized I liked doing that thing more than some of the marketing, like, I, because I felt like I was on the activation side, right? It wasn't just the insight side. And I love the insights portion, but then I want to take all of that data and all of that information I have and do something with it. And so that's really what inspired me to create relevant media was I want to, I want to make stuff with the information I have. And, and we talk about the lack of diversity in middle grade. Why not be part of a solution, right? There are going to be many, many writers who come into this space who become part of that solution, but why not you know, throw my hat in the ring too and say, I want to be part of that solution. But content's just a really interesting space. And I think it's only getting better. And I think when someone tells you that something is dead or dying, what's been so fascinating to watch is how it just gets better, right? So, I mean, do you remember years ago when everybody thought TV was dead, you know, and now you've got, I don't know if you saw, um, we won't say when we're recording, right? But like, the the tribute to Norman Lear and it just makes you see like all of these Hollywood stars who are doing TV right TV's never been better I can't think of another time when I've enjoyed TV more um, you know books podcast like there's so many pieces of you know areas and content that are really exciting what we're doing with audio content and so just felt for me personally, like content was a space that was really exciting and I could bring a unique perspective having had a career in marketing into, you know, working in content. Gotcha. Uh, and then um, 
with um, I know that uh, re relevant uh, focuses on authentic representation. So what what is authentic representation and how do you know when you've achieved it? Yeah, I think that um, there is not one story that is the story, right, of how I will say like young black children experience life, right? There are many different ways that a young black child might experience life. Me growing up with five younger siblings is a different experience, right? Um, and what I wanna do through the characters is make sure that I'm bringing just different perspectives to middle grade. And I think you'll see a lot of that. I won't give too much away with the stitch click, um, it will be my, my project where I'm like pushing boundaries the most, because I really do think that as I talk about representation, I think a big part of it was focused on diversity and, and really driving, um, you know, racial and ethnic diversity. But I think you'll see with the stitch click, we're really diving into family structure, showing different types of families, um, and really wanting, I, I like my goal is that any tween will pick up a book and say, this reminds me of me or my friend, or I am understanding a perspective that I maybe didn't consider or didn't think about before. And so uh, that's what I love to do. It's just really thinking, you know, what's the moment and, and my characters, it's just given my life experience or what I've seen or what I see through my niece or what I see through other children who are close to me. What's a perspective that I think I can offer that might be a little different than what else, you know, the other perspectives available. Hi, and then I know you're getting a little bit into television as well. Are we able to talk about that at all? It's going. <laughs> That's what we say. <laughs> but I just learned, I, this is the very LA, a very Hollywood way to say, yeah, we've got some movement and it's really exciting. And I, I am... I am hoping to do what's best for the material and, and what's best for the readers. And um, it's exciting. And I think there'll be a lot more to tell over the next few months. Gotcha. So I deduce from that that you are sitting on amazing, incredible news that <laughs> as soon as it breaks, I will be celebrating for you, but we can't know it yet tonight. Fair enough. <laughs> Very good. So, um, I know that you've got uh, writing partners that you work with. Do I have there? How many people um, are, are involved with you directly in producing a book like Honest June? Uh, so with June, I was really, really lucky to bring on um, my, my collaborator from the Z Files. And so we were able to do that together. So in total, we have now collaborated on nine books. And then with my new series, she was tapped out. And so um, I found an amazing new writer. Um, a lot of times I do work with first time middle grade writers. I like bringing that freshness of perspective and writing style to the space. Uh, and even with that, I still have a lot on my plate when it comes to writing and editing. And you know, it. I thought, oh, it's so easy to do a book. It's the hardest thing I think you'll ever do because you're never done and there's so many different passes. And once you get through the writing, there are art approvals, and, and there's so many layers to the process. And so I think I really look for, you know, collaborators who have a unique position, whether it comes to style, you know, the, the Stitch Click, my, you know, the newest project needed someone who could write a really fast paced style. And so I knew I had to find someone who had written for magazines for that project. And specifically, I was hoping to find someone who had written for magazines with younger readers. And uh, I found someone fantastic. And so um, then we start to talk about 
what works for tween, right? And that's that's where I love to bring that out of like, okay, these are the rules as I've defined them of how we're gonna write for tweens. Um, but it's a really fun, really collaborative process. Lots of Google Docs, um, lots of me writing, are we sure tweens say this? Are we sure tweens sound like this? I think I'm always programmed to say, how do I not sound like I'm a 40-year-old writing for tweens? You know, like there's a lot of self-editing. It's a really collaborative process. Gotcha. Do you have like uh, beta readers or, or tweens that you bring in um, to give you feedback on that? Or? It's funny. I um, I posted to Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I had to ask my niece a question. I was doing another read through. I forget which series. I guess I'm working in three different series right now. But I asked her something about dating and like, would this really happen on WhatsApp? And she wrote me this really cheeky, really funny response where she's like, ma'am, are you seriously asking me this? But I, I, I often go to Phoebe and say, can you just like, tell me, is this right? And, and uh, she'll definitely let me know. Um, but it's always a really funny exchange where I'm like, am I like, is this accurate? And she's like, oh my gosh, Antina, you're so embarrassing. Yeah. Or else she'll just say, you're just so embarrassing. Like I'll get that feedback. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like uh, a regular aunt coming in to, to ask you about your life. You've got purpose. There's, this is going to help other readers out there. So, so yeah, but like, she has. She'll even say, oh, I saw someone with your book at school, so embarrassing. And I'm like, some people would actually think that that's cool, but she's like, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> Five, 10 years from now, she's going to be on a podcast yeah. talking about what an inspiration you were and how amazing the experience that was. <laughs> right now, I'm just embarrassing. And she told me, she was like, you know, I mean, the real issue is if I don't like your book, how am I going to be able to tell you that? And I'm like, like, you can't tell me exactly how you feel about everything, but it's just hilarious. She'll say, oh, saw someone reading your book as if it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm watching our time because I, I know we don't have much of it. And I want to make sure I get all the, all the, all the, all the good information I could possibly uh, bring forth. Um, so, um, you go back and forth with uh, your writing partners, and then you've got editors that get involved. I assume some folks at Penguin have some things to say. Yeah. So yeah. How, many, how many passes are you looking at for each book, and how many different people are sounding off and, and, and getting a vote? Um, anywhere from two to four passes. But I think the big thing for both of my projects, and, and Stitch Click, well, actually all of my projects are, um, they all have sensitivity readers engaged, right? Because there are sensitive themes and I like to push the envelope about what I want to talk to tweens about, which means we have to bring in a lot of the professionals to make sure. Um, you know, with, for example, in the Z files, uh, I knew when I was going to age her up, that one of the things I wanted to explore um, was Z, you know, leaning towards a, a diagnosis of having ADHD. And so I really wanted to go through that process and also Z in therapy. You know, she's a California girl who's moved to the Cotswold. She, you know, is at boarding school in a totally different culture. And it's all about how she's adjusting to that. And so you add in that layer of, you know, are, am I writing? Am I telling the story the right way? And, you know, some of the, the notes I'm most proud of and moments in my career is when a sensitivity writer comes back and says, you guys have done a really good, like this is really well executed. This is well thought out. Um, and that makes me really happy. You know, we put a lot of time and effort into thinking through, and I do, how I'm gonna tell a story, how I'm gonna make it resonate for a tween. I think that with tweens, I really want to 
embrace. I want them to embrace those parts of their personalities that make them different. I think the idea that we need to conform is what's so unfortunate about that life stage for me, right? You re we realize now as adults, it's those things that we were made fun of for or our quirks that actually become the things that we're known for, right? Or that we do best. And, and if we had allowed ourselves as tweens to kind of buy into the fact that being different was bad, where would we be now, right? So the idea for me is I always want to bring those things to light to say, you know, well, June might have this issue, but it's, it's okay, you know, if, if she feels anxious or has anxiety. What's important is that June learns how to work through her anxiety, right? That she gets the tools, that she figures out what she likes, what's causing her to be anxious, which is I'm trying to be perfect for other people and I'm not in my own truth, which is maybe I don't want to go to law school. Maybe I want to be a writer or do these other things. And so that's my goal, I think, with all the projects is to say, it's okay to show up as your unique self and to be who you are and to be celebrated for what makes you unique. And in doing that, sometimes we get into really sensitive topics. And so that's what causes, you know, the need to get a lot of other people involved to make sure that at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is what people see and that it's resonating. Well, that sounds like an incredibly responsible way to go about that and make sure that uh, this is just further act proof of why you are who you are. That makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, Target exclusivity deals don't just fall out of the sky. I know we're coming right up here on the end of our time, but we got to talk a little <laughs> bit about this. How do, do you have a, a marketing team with you, or is it is it Tina Wells out in front? And you're personally calling up Target to to make this happen. How, how how does that come about? I was really fortunate to get to the right person and have a conversation, and it and still in that initial conversation, um, I was really thoughtful about how I was gonna re-engage with the opportunity. And I also wanted to be really thoughtful, like was I in a position, because when I had done Mackenzie Blue, I almost treated it like a client of the agency and then went back to agency work. And I always felt, you know, I don't ever have regrets in life, but I will say at that time, I thought, I wish I'd given more time and energy to this thing because this, I loved, you know, writing for middle grade readers so much and just creating these concepts. And so, the opportunity presented itself. And I said, here's what I want to do. Here's my perspective. You know, I do come from a background in marketing. Uh, here's what I think is missing. You know, middle grade fiction, we've got less than 10% of protagonists who are, who are, you know, children of color. Well, what can we do to fix that? I think everybody wants to really think about that. And I think it's important um, to know that, you know, we were engaging on this topic a few years ago, you know, so it wasn't when it became, you know, popular to have this conversation. We really started having this conversation over two years ago. And we're really thoughtful about how to bring it to life. And what I will say, I think we talked about this in the beginning is sometimes you have ideas or visions and it just doesn't resonate um, with a traditional style of doing things. And I think that how Z, the Z files came to life was really solution-based because doors and were kind of being closed where it's like, well, you can't do that. We can't do that. That's not going to work. We need it out faster, you know, and we got down to who can deliver what we need the way we need it. And that's how we ended up in the type of deal we did. Um, and, you know, still working through what's the best way to do it. Do we need a long exclusivity period? Do we need a shorter exclusivity period? What does that look like? But yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to Target for the shelf space, for, you know, being in the weekly ad. You know, I just opened um, 
this week's ad and there's honest june on page two you know that that's seen by over 40 million people and so you know that that amount of presence for me for my name you know in z the z files launched we had the back cover of that week's circular and so um it's just been a really great partnership but to go in stores you know mackenzie blue couldn't get into target it wasn't big enough and we were selling crazy you know like crazy and still couldn't get there and so to see you know have i have five books in stores right now across two different series and a product as well um it's just awesome but they're they're very committed to you know both the idea of creating diversity in middle grade and, and creating i think diversity among um their small business partnerships you see a lot and you hear a lot from what they're doing but as a person who's on the other side you know they have really I have 12 books that will be at Target in some way and in some sort of exclusive from now over the next two years. And so um, it's just been a really great partnership for me, but really grateful for the brand building, I think, around my name and, you know, around a few, you know, now a few different projects. And then once that tremendous TV news that you're sitting on that you can't come <laughs> to that happens, it's going <laughs> to... <laughs> it's going to be Tina Wells' world, and the rest of us are just living in it. Oh. <laughs> Let's hope. That's a 2022 film. The esteemed audience uh, knows uh, I have to ask, because I ask everybody that comes on this show, Tina Wells, have you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost? Ooh. Think about this. I'll let the record show that is not a no. <laughs> it's a long, I'm really, really, I've seen some crazy things. So I'm trying to think if that's a no. I would say that's a no to both. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but it was a long no. I had to, I really did have to think about this though. Well, one of the crazy things you saw was that like the Loch Ness Monster or the Bigfoot, they'll hold out on me if you've got something. Like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then, uh, this, um, I know that we've come here to the, the end of our time. I tried to talk as fast as I could to make sure we, we awesome. got it covered. What a fantastic conversation. What a wonderful um, bit of content for everyone to enjoy. Uh, and you're going to keep publishing. So hopefully come back and we'll do this again sometime. Love it. I would absolutely uh, love it. For tonight, my final question is always some variation of, if you could go back to yourself at the start of your career, middle of your career, wherever would have been useful to you and given yourself some advice that would have made some, a difference for you and might make a difference to, to make easier the paths for everyone who is watching or listening to us right now, what would you go back and tell yourself? Um, I probably would have said you can relax a little, a, a, a little and you can chill out a bit. I think I was like so pent up in my 20s and just like, I got to crush it, I got to crush it, and didn't really take time to like go on vacation, enjoy life. And that relaxation came like 10 plus years into my career. So I think I would have like, you know, took it down a notch maybe. Uh, where can esteemed audience find you online? Probably on social media, all that good stuff. At tinawells.com. And I'm on Instagram as tinawells underscore on Twitter, but you'll find it all at tinawells.com. And as always, esteemed audience, head to middlegradeninja.com for thousands of interviews with editors, literary agents, authors, publishing professionals of all stripes, all the world's best people at middlegradeninja.com. 
download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. It is free. You can get it for free or enjoy it as an audiobook for money. Also well worth your time. Uh, and as always, God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week.